We'll study a little bit now about first the Parshat Zachor. Uh, the portion of Zachor is one of the four special sections uh, that we read in addition to the regular reading. That means that every Shabbos we take out the Torah, we read one section so that we finish the entire Torah once a year. But in addition to that, there are four weeks in the year which we take out an additional Torah for a special portion we will read that week. So the first one in this series is the Parshat Shkalim. We're not going to talk about that now. Uh, the second one in this series is Parshat Zachor. And then you have Parshat Parah and Parshat Zachodesh. Those are the four. Um, that means that during that period of the year, we read a special portion. Most of the Torah portions that we read throughout the year don't have necessarily an open, revealed connection to the time of the year we're reading them. So we don't read, for example, the story of Pesach in the regular Chumash at the time of Pesach. That's read in the middle of the winter when we read the Shemos. So the section of the Chumash is not really that we read every week, is not really related to the story of the portion. We just go week after week. That's how we do it. But in addition to that, we have these four portions which are connected to the time of the year. Now, I say only four. It's more than four. There are yomtivs, which of course we read about the yomtivs. So on Pesach, for example, we will read about Pesach, but that's yomtiv. I'm talking about just Shabbos when it's not yomtiv. It's not a special holiday. And we still will take out a second Torah. On yomtiv, we will always take out a second Torah. But we're talking about a regular Shabbos and yet we will take out an additional Torah, even though it's not Yantav. The uh, Torah, special Torah portion that is connected with Purim is the Parshat Zachor. Zachor is the small section in the Torah, in, uh, comes from the portion of Deuteronomy. It's, it's very similar, there's also a portion in Exodus, but we do the portion of Deuteronomy, it's chapter 25, verse 17 through 19. So it's just three verses over there, 17, 18, and 19. Uh, those three verses basically is the command that God tells us to remember what Amalek has done to us, that uh, as the Jewish people finally got rid of Egypt and the pharaohs and all the mirac miracles that God performed to take him out of Egypt, Soon thereafter, Amalek meets them and starts a war with them. Uh, God therefore commanded, the, you know, and, and, and Amalek has a special, um, you know, a special level of brazency and, and disregard because he knew that he couldn't beat the Jewish people. He just seen what happened to the Egyptians, but yet he wanted to fight them. So, uh, God gives us a special command. God says, you shall remember that which Amalek has done to you, that he has met you along the way, and he uh, did uh, go ahead and uh, hurt uh, those people that were in the back. And, and, the elderly and, and the sick. It's basically those who did not follow exactly and they were vulnerable. And therefore, God commands us to remember, to erase any remnants of Amalek. And Amalek is the 
nation that directly opposes God and his God has told us that when we go into the land of Israel, one of the mitzvahs is to erase the Amalek because the Jewish people don't necessarily have the possibility to do that while they're in exile. But when they are in Israel, we have this command. Now, <coughs> um, Haman is a descendant of Amalek. And part of the reason that Haman was destroying the, uh, went out to, uh, with his decree against the Jewish people is, that's a continuous battle that Haman and Amalek have against the Jewish people. And, um, of course, we celebrate on Purim the victory of the Jewish people and the fact that Haman and his ten sons were hung and that the Jewish people, that it was uh, a celebration and um, a holiday for the Jewish people. That's what we celebrate Purim. So, therefore, the rabbis instituted that uh, before Purim, the Shabbat before Purim, we should read in the Torah this section which talks about remembering what Amalek has done for us and to erase the memory of Amalek and uh, to remember that this is a war that Hashem fights against Amalek to totally eradicate him from the world. So uh, on this Shabbos that precedes Purim, on the Shabbos that precedes Purim, and uh, this year it's going to be the... uh, portion of Tzav. The portion of Tzav is going to be read. doesn't matter uh, which Torah portions happen to read. And Although I said the regular por- Torah portion has no open connection, sometimes people find connections and that's part of uh, the uh, idea. Nothing happens by chance, so if a certain portion is read at a certain time, there must be some sort of a relationship. You've got to dig deeper to find what that connection is. But the uh, revealed connection, the Parshas, this year Parshas Sav is going to be read right before uh, Purim. So on the Parshas Sav, we're going to also take out a Sefer Torah, another Sefer Torah, in which we're going to read the section of Zohar, now, uh, the way we do it, whenever we have to read from two, from two places in the Chumash, we don't use the same Torah. And the reason we don't use the same Torah is we take out two Torahs. Why? And here you also see how much the rabbis wanted to make sure not to trouble the community more than necessary. Although they wanted them to pray, they wanted them to read from the Torah, but they tried to, any excess, any extra, what's not necessary, trouble, they tried to take that away. And therefore, the same thing is true when you have to read from two places in the Torah. If you only have one Torah, then what you have to do is when you finish, you have to roll it to the other place. Rolling takes time. So therefore, you use a second Sefer Torah. Now, some people will take out a Sefer Torah, but they don't prepare beforehand the spot of the Torah. So then you're actually, the benefit is lost because you might have to roll the Torah even longer. So if, if for example... Uh, you took the second Sefer Torah and you had to start rolling it again, you would 
be wasting the people's time over there, and there would be like a interruption. Take till I find it. Yeah, and it, and right. it's and it's and it's not respectful for the for the people there. So we don't have, want to keep the people just sitting there and waiting. So that's why it's important that we roll the Sefer Torah first. Now, the way it's done, that we take out the two Sefer Torahs uh, in the morning, and um, in the first one, we're going to read the seven uh, aliyahs, as we usually do, and as we've spoken, normally we do a repetition of the last piece, because we want the maftir to also have a piece uh, to read from the Torah, not only the maftir, but in this case, we have a special <laughs> section for him to read, so we don't need to reread it again. So therefore, what we'll do is we'll have seven people get the regular aliyah in the Torah. Now, what happens is, we also always say Kaddish, after we finish the regular reading of the Torah, the seven aliyahs, before we do the maftir. That Kaddish is sort of an interruption, because the reason we have the maftir and the reason we do the Haftorah is because there was a time that uh, they weren't allowed to read from the Torah. The, 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 the Goyim didn't allow, persecuted the Jews, they didn't let them read the Torah. And many other times as well. So they didn't let them read the Torah. So what they would do is they would go ahead and read from the Navi, from the prophets instead. But yet, that tradition remained even after we were allowed to read the Torah. But still, we want to make a distinction because the reading of the Torah every Shabbos has been instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu. That has been instituted only as a replacement. You don't want them to be both at the same level. So when we finish reading the Torah, we say Kaddish. That's one section. And then we go to the next section. So in this case, uh, we're going to uh, read seven people in the regular aliyahs from the Torah. So they'll seven, in our case, they'll read seven of the portion of the week. If it's Parsha Sav or wherever Parsha it is, they're going to read the seven, uh, seven people. Now we have to say Kaddish. But in this case, there's only the Torah that you just read on the table. So what you do is you take the other Torah, which basically when you took out the Torah from the Ark, you take out two Torahs. And again, for the same reason, you're not going to open up the Ark again and take another Torah. So you take out the two Ark, and once somebody sits with the, yeah, one sits with the Torah and waits while they finish reading. Now what happens is, when the time comes to say Kaddish, they take that second Torah and they put it on the bima next to the first Torah. And at that point, uh, you say the Kaddish. And the reason you say the Kaddish and the both Torahs is because that's sort of interrupting, finishing the first Torah and bringing in the second one. And that Torah basically remains on the, on the bima from that point and on. We don't remove the Torah anymore. Uh, unless, I guess, you need the place for Hagba and Galila. But you both need. of them stay on there while you're reading the, the second one? No. No. But the second one remains on the bima. Once you put it down there and you yeah. said half a Kaddish, and right. again, if there is no mourner in the uh, audience, then the one who reads the Torah will do the half a Kaddish. If there's a mourner in the shul, then we invite the mourner to go up and say the half Kaddish. After he's finished the half Kaddish, that Torah stays, the that you're going to read stays. Okay. And we're going to do the Hagbe and the Galila on the second 
Torah, on the first Torah, on the first Torah. And all I'm saying is um, that that Torah should remain on the Bima unless you need the space uh, to do the Hagman Galila, then you pick it up for a little bit, but otherwise it stays on the Bima. And in the second uh, Torah, we read the portion of Zohar. So that's like the Mafter. That's the Maftir. The Zohar is the Maftir, yes. So the Zohar becomes the Maftir. Technically it's not an Aliyah then, right? It's the Eighth Aliyah. It is the Eighth Aliyah and it's the Maftir, that's right. But the point is, you do lame. reading, but just not repeating another one. That's right. But there's only seven. That's right. That's right. Exactly. Good. So you do the seventh and then you do the eighth. Excellent. That's exactly right. Now, there's something special about this portion of Zohar. Because... The other portions that we do read um, are really because of the events, the occasion. Who says that we should read them? Where, where is it based from? So it comes, it's based from Moshe Rabbeinu. But we don't find a biblical command in the Torah that you should, um, that you should read a certain section in, at a certain time. We don't find a biblical command for that. Not to take away of its importance, but yet there is no clear verse that says you shall read a portion of the Torah. That's just been instituted by Moshe Rabbeinu to do that reading of the Torah on the Shabbos and to go on. And then later on, by the Anshikhanes Sagdola, the rabbis, they, they, for, they fortified and had the custom the way we do it today, the reading of the Torah, etc., and all the different we details read, do today. Yeah, but the portion of on Mondays and Thursdays, yeah, that's further. Uh, but the the there is many opinions that hold that this mitzvah that it says, "Remember what a Malik has done to you." What does it mean? If you notice in the back of the sitter every day, we also do we say the passage also, "Remember what a Malik has done to you." We also say, actually, in the back of the sitter there is six sheish zechiris. There are six remembrances that we remember every day. And they're all based on the Chumash and what it says that we need to remember certain events that the Torah describes that we should remember. But one of them is Amalek, we remember every day. But the question becomes, this is a, one of the mitzvahs. The Torah says, remember what Amalek has done to you. How do we, what does the Torah mean when it says, remember what Amalek has done to you? How when, what are the details of this mitzvah? I mean, the Torah tells us we should wrap the tefillin in our hands. We know we do that every morning. But how do we fulfill the mitzvah that remember what a Amalek has done? Okay, if we do it every morning when we say it, I mean, I'm going to sit in a portion and we're going to read it, we're going to fulfill it. So the, uh, most of the codifiers are of the opinion. There is various different opinions, but most of the codifiers believe that when you read the portion of Zachor on Shabbos in the Torah in public, that is the way you are fulfilling that mitzvah. That is what the Torah is meant by fulfilling that mitzvah. By when the Torah says you shall remember the manifestation, how does this mitzvah perform? By reading it from the Torah. Remember in the public, in the get together. So in that case, it turns out that really the uh, reading of the Torah, of Zachor, we're actually fulfilling a biblical command, which is in essence 
greater than any of the other Torah readings that we're reading because we don't fulfill a biblical command when we're just reading of the Torah but here the Torah told us that we should remember and this is the way we're fulfilling this commandment so it ends up being that the Parshat Zachor ends up being a a biblical command but we cannot confuse this uh, with uh, saying that it has to be on this Shabbos I mean technically uh, one can choose why do we read this the Shabbos before Purim so we said because we explained because Haman was a descendant was basically doing what uh, Amalek wanted to do and he's his descendant and we are doing to Haman we did to Haman that's why he was instituted so specifically the Shabbos that was instituted by the rabbis but when we are doing it, we are fulfilling a mitzvah of the Torah. In other words, the Torah didn't say that we have to read it the Shabbos before Purim. How do I know? Because Purim came after. Purim came after. <laughs> so the Torah just said that you should do it. Now, who is the one, the rabbis later on instituted, that it should be done before Purim? That, okay. But when we're doing it before Purim, that's the way we're performing a mitzvah. Again, this is according to most codifiers. And therefore, it's become a very uh, uh, prominent tradition that the women also come to the shul on the uh, reading of Parsha Zohar to listen to the Parsha Zohar. And, uh, you know, the Rebbe also in different, you know, some people don't, you know, they're not obligated sort of to say have to, but it has become a tradition that women do go to shul to listen to the uh, the Parsha Zohar, to listen to to this and uh, um, and to fulfill the mitzvah of the of the portion of Zohar. It also has uh, some other uh, in the halacha. There is uh, sometimes the people in the olden days they would um, read from the Torah. If you got an aliyah, you were supposed to read that portion from the Torah and. Um, in that case, when it came to maftir, which was a repetition, um, they would allow sometimes a cotton, a minor, to read from the Torah, because you already read that piece. You're not really reading it. You don't have to fulfill the obligation. It's not the first reading. It's not the first reading. You've already done it, so you allow for it. The, but they wouldn't allow it for the parshat zachor. Why? Because the uh, child cannot fulfill the obligation. He has to read and fulfill everybody else's obligation. He reads it out loud. But today it doesn't apply because the people don't read it. The Balkore, the one reads it. So Al-Turebi writes about this. That would be okay, even in, in a case like this. But um, there is also another, uh, another interesting discussion in general, which you know, before, uh, in general, before we... Um, we do a mitzvah. Uh, one shouldn't really eat before doing a mitzvah. Now, in the Chabad tradition, uh, we will eat something before the davening on a regular day, on a regular Shabbos, on a regular day, just so we have the energy to, to daven. Uh, to us, I guess it's more important uh, that we have the uh, energy to daven properly than to be hungry and starving and then uh, be faint and not really uh, not really daven properly. So uh, 
we, we, we use the allowance that for people who are not, who are faint, who are sick, who are not well, they, they're allowed to eat beforehand. And, you know, we know there's uh, importance of, of, of davening and davening with uh, proper kavana, with the right mind, with the right intentions. And, and you, so, again, we're not talking about eating a meal or eating, uh, we're talking about just having something to take away this time. However, as important as that is, when it comes to a, a mitzvah of the Torah, uh, we're more careful. As for example, when we blow the shofar, or when we, uh, if we do the lulav, or, or uh, other mitzvahs that we do, uh, we're not going to eat beforehand. And the reason is because it's not proper to go ahead and fill your stomach and to eat. It's almost disrespect. The first thing you want to do is the mitzvah. So notwithstanding the fact that you may be faint and you may be a little hungry, but when there is a mitzvah, we don't do it. Now, so the interesting discussion over here is, so what happens on the Parsha Zachar? Uh, because you're going to be doing a mitzvah according to most codifiers. But uh, he brings down over here uh, that... Um, we still would uh, eat on this day. And the reason brought down is the various different uh, footnotes of uh, sources over here because uh, even though we're doing a mitzvah by, by listening to the Parshat Zohar, uh he says that the main, uh, the main objection against eating is because beforehand is you might forget to do the mitzvah. But you know, in this case, there's now likely because you're going to the minion, uh, you're davening, so we don't really worry that you're going to forget the mitzvah. Uh, but there's another thing is that when there's a mitzvah which is dear to you, you don't want to eat before you're going to do that mitzvah. And what he's saying over here is that the shofar, the lulav, those are dear mitzvahs. But even a, such a mitzvah like erasing a molek, I mean, it's a mitzvah, but you can't call that a dear mitzvah because uh, destruction, even a destruction of a, is not called a dear mitzvah. So that would be okay to, um, that's the way it brings down over here, that it would be okay to, um, to eat something beforehand. Would burning of the chametz be another example of a mitzvah? That's not, burning the chametz is not really a, a mitzvah in that sense. Um, uh, burning of the chametz, um, First of all, the mitzvah you're doing when you're checking the chametz and you're burning the chametz that you that you did uh, before, but um, it's actually a mitzvah to eat before that because you have to you have to burn whatever you're not going to eat. You're going to have to burn. If you're not going to eat, what are you going to burn? I mean, and then people leave over to eat. Now that works parts. No, that, that doesn't apply to this. Um, um, the one, the another interesting thing is also there are various different ways, uh, traditions, whether you say, it says you shall erase, it says Zecher Amalek, Amalek's memory, his memory. Now, it's either Zecher or it's Zecher, either two segels or a Tzere and a segel. And the Rebbe sort of rules, he says he hasn't heard uh, directly, but it doesn't explain here exactly why, but he says that um, in the um, the proper thing is so that you don't go one or the other. You should do both of them. 
you should do Zecher and Zecher because we're not sure exactly which is right. Now then the question becomes, which comes first? Do you do for Zecher or Zecher, which comes first? So he says that when you're doing in uh, the section of Kiseitze, and I mentioned before, we have the same, in the Torah we find the two places where the Torah tells us to erase Amalek's remembrance, and one in Deuteronomy, one in Devarim, and one in B'Shalach, in, uh, in, in, in Exodus, in, in Shmois. Uh, so, on the Parshat Zachor, we do the portion of Deuteronomy. Uh, so when we do the portion of Kiseitze, and the same is when we do Zachor, because Zachor is Kiseitze, that's the Deuteronomy. So over there you say Zecher, and then Zecher. When you do on Purim, in Purim we read the portion of Bishalach as well as when we do Bishalach. When in the portion over there, you should say Zecher and then Zecher. I'm not sure, apparently, that there is more that say Zecher in Bishalach and Zecher over there. That's why that would take precedent. I'm not sure exactly why. But the bottom line is the Bishalach, Zecher comes before Zecher, and in Devarim, other way, because Zecher comes before Zecher. So it's Zecher, Zecher, or Zecher, Zecher. So um, I guess the uh, um, um, the way to remember it is that uh, first is the same, and then comes the change. Or maybe you should say that, you know. So in B'Shalach, which is first, you'll say Zecher, Zecher. In Dvar, which is second, then you have the change of Zecher, Zecher. I don't know how to remember that also. Um, now there was a. Um, are the vowels in the Chumash? In the Chumash, there are not the Torah, no. and that's why we have questions. Um, there was a tradition some people came up with to to bang Amalek when they were reading Amalek, but that's not the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Haman is one thing, but uh, uh, Amalek is not. Uh, not uh, there's um, there is a. Um, a ruling here that he brings down that when people read the Torah uh, just uh, for women, let's say you know the women get together uh, and uh, they want to hear the their warrant at the minion. So you take out the Torah and you'll read for them from the Torah this portion. But we do not make the blessing for the Torah if you're only reading it. Uh, uh, for the uh, for the women, also as far as the expression, you know, in the Sephardic in Israel, they don't pronounce a difference between everything is eh, 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 over there. So it's not zecher. Even when it says cher, it's so it's everything is zecher. So it doesn't really matter. So it almost seems like they shouldn't repeat the word because <laughs> what's the point of repeating it if you don't express anything different? By them, everything is. Is zecher? Uh, it's a, whether it's a tzere. It's a different dialect. Yeah, but still, but because it's the same, there would be no point in uh, there would be no point in in saying it both ways when there's you're not really saying anything different. So that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, be uh, important. Okay, um, then we do also the uh, after we finish the Torah reading for the. Uh, Maftir, which is the Parshish Zohar, um, you do the Hagbe and the Galila. Um, the, um, 
the uh, tradition is, you know, you've seen, you know, everybody gets up when you raise the Torah. It's not respectful. When the Torah is sitting down, then you sit. But when you raise the Torah, everybody else gets up. Now, what about the person who is holding the other Sefer Torah? Doesn't get up. Because the fact that he's holding uh, in uh, Torah seems to be overriding that. The tradition is that he remains seated. Seems like because he's sitting, uh, because he's holding the Torah, it's not a disrespect for, 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 for the Torah that he is uh, sitting over there. Um, the, um, um, if you had only one Sefer Torah, so then you would do. So then you would roll it after you say the Havakadosh, then you would roll it to the Parshish Zohar, and uh, after you finish the Mafter, then you, know, you don't pick it up twice. You don't do the Hagman Galula twice. You just do it once after you finish reading and but the Kaddish you'll always say in between. The Kaddish always comes in between the reading, as we mentioned, comes in between the reading of the regular Torah and the next passage. And then we also have the special Haftorah that we read uh, for the Shabbos Zohar. Again, the regular Haftorah would be Parshish Tzav, would be another portion. But in this case, because we read the Haftorah from the Parshish Zohar, the Haftor is going to be similar to the Maftir that we read. And we read in Shmuel Aleph, uh, Samuel's 1, from chapter 15, from verse 2 through 34. Over there, there is the description where God has commanded uh, uh, King Saul, Shaul, that he should go and wipe out the Amalekim. And he didn't really do what God told him to do. He was He felt bad for the cattle and and he said, well, uh, you know, I, uh, I did what God wanted when the prophet Shmuel confronted him and Hashem said, no, you're not going to be a king anymore because... And there's the famous words over there which the king Shaul, which Shmuel rebukes Shaul and he says to him, he argued, he said, look, I brought a beautiful gift to God. I brought him all these beautiful animals. It's a shame. And he tells him, he tells him to... It's better to listen than the best offering. You have to listen to what you're told. Don't use your own judgment and not to but listen. Just do as you were told. If God told you to wipe out the Amalekim, you should have done that. You shouldn't have done And God, therefore, actually uh, took away the uh, kingdom from Shaul. And then we know the rest of the story. Shaul was chasing David, and then eventually David became the king. Uh, what happens if a person makes a mistake and he reads like the regular Haftorah from that week or any Haftorah. So then you follow it with this, the correct one. You know, if you started off, oh, somebody realized, oh, well, wait, wait a minute. We have the wrong Haftorah this week. Sometimes people will make that mistake. Uh, and if you remember after the bracha, uh, you would read it with, uh, without a bracha. Um, now, uh, I'm assuming if people forgot it's Parsha Zohar, so they didn't have the Torah, they didn't read the, the Krisa Torah. I'm assuming that then they would, if they finish the Torah, they would probably have to take out another Torah, or take this Torah, make a separate blessing. It doesn't say here, I'm just assuming that that is the, that is the case, that what you would do is that, um, let's say people forget, you come to shul, and you know, people don't know. I mean, some people told me the other day, that in one of the other places, they read the wrong 
They're in the wrong one. They didn't know. Vayakel Pikude, it's together. They don't know. They don't. They they don't know. So they don't know. So they don't follow. You know, they don't know. So it could happen sometimes that you know there's a shul and uh, they didn't pay attention. They didn't look in the calendar. Uh, you know, and so what happens? And then oh, somebody comes up after he says, oh, we didn't. Pasha Zohar today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then you would, you would take out the Torah and you would read again and you would make the bracha because you're doing the Torah and then I'm not, you're not going to make another bracha for the Torah, but you're still just going to read the Torah without a blessing, just like that. But the Torah, you don't have to make a blessing. And, you know, Torah is too late. You know, you missed it out. Okay, so 